1: Hello, everyone! Welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today for Sandra Beck, hoping all of you are enjoying your holidays. For those celebrating the Festival of Lights, we wish you a very happy Hanukkah. And to all of you who are busy with last minute preparations for this Thursday, we say Merry Christmas. No matter what holiday you celebrate, we hope you are all able to spend some time with your loved ones in one way or another. It doesn't have to be on a special day. Whatever calendar day it is, a day with family is what holidays are all about. Thinking of loved ones who are far away during the holidays is always difficult, and we hope if your loved ones are not able to come home, you will share a greeting in some way or another, and we hope your family will be all together very, very soon. So much is published this time of year, either on TV or radio or in articles. I found a number of holiday-related items to share with you that I found so interesting and I hope you would find it as well. And it certainly helped me feel my holiday spirit. So get cozy and come share this holiday hour with me. Let's start with a message that we've all shared, wanting only one special gift for Christmas, that loved one to come home. Here's Mariah Carey. I
2: don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. My wish I knew
1: I read a fascinating article by Rabbi Gerald Skolnick, columnist for the Jewish Week Online, entitled, We Need a Little Hanukkah. This is an excerpt of that article with a message for all beliefs. And this is quoted by Rabbi Skolnick. It is difficult, if not impossible, to walk into a store at this time of year without being subjected to mind-numbing Christmas music playing in the background, just soft enough that you can speak over it, but also just loud enough that you can't help but hear it. I assume that the intention is to put shoppers into the Christmas spirit and make them spend more. The message comes through loud and clear in ways both liminal and subliminal, Oh, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Unquote. At the risk of being a holiday season curmudgeon, I'd like to suggest that what we Jews actually need is a little Hanukkah, and the world would benefit from that message too. As a Jew and as a rabbi, I share the dismay of many that Christmas has become so mercilessly commercialized that the pressures generated by what has developed into an orgy of gift giving have, of course, permeated the culture of Hanukkah, which was never about giving gifts. Exactly how Hanukkah came to be the festival that it is today, how its current practice relates to the Maccabean Uprise against Antiochus' forces, the relentless Hellenizing pressures of Ancient Greek and the miracle of the oil, is a subject of considerable scholarly debate. I've always thought it fascinating that the prophetic portion chanted on the Shabbat of Hanukkah from the prophet Zechariah insists that military might is not what wins the day, but rather the Spirit of God, quote, not by might, nor by power, but my, by my Spirit, says the Lord, End quote. A strange choice of selections, don't you think, for a holiday that celebrates a military victory? Clearly, as its formative stage, not everyone was exactly on the same page when it came to the message of Hanukkah. But this year, more than in recent memory, I find myself feeling that we really do need to summon the spirit of Hanukkah and embrace it anew. The forces arrayed against our people have not seemed quite so hostile and overwhelming in many years. Israel is increasingly portrayed as a pariah nation, and the countries of Europe seem to be tripping over each other in a concerted effort to isolate her as punisher, either literally taking her products off their shelves, or by rushing to affirm Palestinian statehood without care for Israel's legitimate security concerns and diplomatic process. The Jewish communities of many of Europe's countries, particularly France and Belgium, have found themselves virtually under siege and made, at best, to feel unwelcome. At worst, they have been made to feel unsafe. As we close in on seventy years after the liberation of Auschwitz, even the most optimistic among us cannot help but feel the world has taken a major step backwards in relating positively to Jews and Judaism. There is more than a little darkness all around us. Hanukkah could not come at a better time. What we feel like we're fighting a losing battle against overwhelming odds, Hanukkah reminds us that we are not the first nor will we be the last. Despair is not an option. Surely the Maccabees had no realistic reason to believe they could prevail against the far superior forces of their enemy, but they fought their fight anyway. The ancient rabbis who authored the liturgical editions for Hanukkah made it clear that from their perspective whatever success the Maccabees enjoyed owed to God's providence not their own military prowess others find in the courage of the Maccabees the inspiration for today's Israel defense forces which now which know a thing or two about facing almost absurd odds and regularly surmounting them it doesn't much matter whether one celebrates the military victory or the spiritual dimension of the Hasmonean triumph over the Greeks. What matters is remembering this fundamental message. What happened then should inform and must inform how we respond to today's challenges. We dare not lose our belief in ourselves and in our ability to create a better future. Despair is not an option. A major message for a minor festival to all of you. a Gurim Rabbi Gerald Skolnick is the spiritual leader of the Forest Hills Jewish Center in Queens, New York. Please find the full story um, that this excerpt was taken from at thejewishweek.com Taking us to break... Here's the 2005 cast of Wicked singing We Are Lights, which is featured on the Broadway's Greatest Gifts, Carols for a Cure, Volume 7 CD.
2: kept on turning. Are there miracles today? Everyone who lights the candles has a bit of ancient spark. We are miracles, lighting up the dark.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system, keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these.
3: This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Military Mom Talk Radio with you on this holiday uh, edition. Um, you might be thinking of some last-minute gifts, and um, one of the uh, best places to pick up a last-minute gift is a great bookstore. Yeah, we've had so many great authors uh, visit us on the show, but back in 2012, Sandra Beck, Doris Rivas Bracky, and I met a delightful author named Mary Lee. At the time, her new book was just Being released when Grandma's false teeth fly, since it's been greatly received, and she continues to do book signings and is thrilled that so many young and young at heart have appreciated this story as well as her first book, My Air Force Mom. Uh, Mary Lee is a retired Air Force Master Sergeant and a licensed Master Social Worker. Mary and her husband Chuck reside in Columbia, South Carolina. Let's uh, join in on this conversation from February 2012 with author
0: Mary Lee. You know,
4: you have Mary Lee who's a retired Air Force master sergeant. She served for 24 years. She's been retired for 15. She is currently an author and a songwriter. Uh, She wrote the children's book, When Grandma's False Teeth Fly. Um, She's also the author of My Air Force Mom and a song called Little Shoes. And um, she is got a lot of great things that she offers through literature and music about the hope of getting women to serve in our military to honor them past, present, and future right up our alley. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Mary Lee. Are you with us? Do we have Mary Lee?
2: Hello. There she is.
5: Oh, Mary! Hi, Sandra, Robin, Doris.
4: I mean, I hit all the high points. There's just not anything other than your master's degree in social work at University of Southern California, or no, no, Southern no. Carolina. South Carolina, <laughs> South Carolina. That's right, not Southern Carolina. Oh, it's one of those days. <laughs> I don't think any one of us has hit anything right yet. So <laughs> right, we got to pack it in, go home, and start again tomorrow.
1: Oh, gosh, well, Mary, it's. So- so exciting to meet you. I'm on your website right now, When Grandma's False Teeth Fly. It's adorable. (laughs) Thank you. My
5: website was made by my publisher.
1: Oh, uh, it's precious. Now tell us, was this written from experience? (laughs) Yes, actually it was.
5: Um, I am a grandma, (laughs) and my false teeth have flown on occasion. But never at the church potluck, so <laughs> 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 that part's fiction. <laughs> I also, when I was growing up, I had a chip tooth uh, when I was in elementary school, and I was teased a great deal about my tooth. And so I wanted to get that across um, in my book, that teasing children, even for things that they can't help is um mm-hmm. really could be devastating to them but i wanted them to look at it in a in a fun way
4: well, and Mary Lee, i got to tell you, I was teased in ninth grade. I wasn't a little kid, but I was in ninth grade, and I, I was born – I mean, they're beautiful teeth now. People go, oh, my God, you have movie star teeth. But when you're in ninth grade and you're half a head and all teeth um, – and all my teeth are exactly the same size, like a horse, you know, when you look at the, the, the front. And oh, Sandra. No, it's true. We were all sitting there during African American history or African history, and they showed some tribe that filed all their teeth flat. And some guy, I'm going to say it's Todd Brower, he's probably going to find me on Facebook and say, I never said that. But he turned around and he says, Beck, that's like you. You must have filed your teeth. Your teeth are all the same size. And forever since then, everybody's always commented in high school about, oh, yeah, you're the one with those teeth. It was horrifying. Oh, and I my still, goodness. I was probably 25 until people said, a, Gee, you have a beautiful smile. Until I could grow into my teeth, otherwise it was Mr. Ed all the way. <laughs>
2: oh
5: my! <laughs> when, when I was fourteen, I got hit in the mouth with a basketball, and it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because <laughs> <laughs> it knocked my four front teeth up in my gums, and they removed them, and I got a partial. And my dentist said, I have never seen anybody so excited to get both teeth. <laughs>
1: I could actually smile and show my teeth. I was so happy. (laughs) Oh, wow. As an Air Force Master Sergeant, oh my gosh, how did you go from being a Master Sergeant to writing for young people? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I, I started writing. Kind of late in life, I
5: after I retired from the Air Force, uh, my husband and I went to Black Mountain, and we were surrounded by the mountains and the peacefulness of it all. And I just started writing. I started writing poetry and short stories, and I, I was very surprised when I ended up writing children's books. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> but one thing my children had teased me about the my Air Force mom book. When I was in the Air Force, my children would say. Um, you know, well, why do you do this, and why do you do that, and what is your uniform, and what are the badges for? And they would have all their little friends asking about that. And I told them forever, I said, well, I'm going to write a book about it when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I was predicting it. I just didn't know it.
1: <laughs> wow. Now, my Air Force mom was written while you still... Where your children were younger, or was this after no, you retired? No, no, they, they were grown.
5: Yeah, when mm. I was serving in the Air Force, uh, you know, they were younger, and that's when all the children would ask them these questions. But yeah, they were they're grown, <laughs> adult children by the time I wrote the book.
1: <laughs> wow, this is a little quick tangent, but did you were you deployed and separated from your children a bit while you were serving? Um. Uh, no, not too much
5: we We were stationed in Japan for three years, uh, but we had oh, the wow. children come over every summer, and they really enjoyed that.
1: Wow. What an experience for your children, but oh, that's they wonderful loved it. that you didn't have that separation yeah. um, you, that many women do face. And, of course, we talk about that a lot on the show, um, are, are those women who are deployed and have to separate from their family. Well, that's what my song
5: is about. Uh, little Shoes is actually a song about a mother leaving her little baby at the airport to go off to war. Mm. <laughs> Although The war part was fictional I have left my children and left my parents and I know that sinking sensation you get when you're leaving
1: (laughs) very very difficult for any mom and to be able to put it to song
5: (laughs) Yeah, that was a very big surprise for me too because I cannot sing a note and I do not play a musical instrument but my husband came home one day and he told me that he had a title for my new children's book And I said, what is that? And he said, Little Shoes. And I thought about it for weeks and weeks. It just kept going round and round in my head. And I told him, I said, it's not a book, it's a song.
1: (laughs) And uh, it came out. (laughs) Doris, did you have a question?
6: Yeah. uh, uh, I heard that maybe
5: you served in the 70s, Mary Lee? Yes, I went in in 1971 and retired in 96.
6: Oh, okay, because I was in the military between uh, 75 and 78 in the Army. Oh, oh, okay. Then you would
5: probably recognize in my Air Force mom the picture of the commissary is what I call the old version of the commissary. <laughs> it's <laughs> back when you actually went in the commissary and you had a greeter and you showed your eyes. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also I had the beret in there, and the beret is like one of the main reasons I wanted to go in the Air Force, I loved the beret. And when I went in in 71, it was just being phased in. And when I retired in 96, it was being phased out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I had 24 years with my beret.
6: <laughs> now, you you were in long enough, too, uh, th- that you probably saw how it changed for women.
5: Oh, Be- amazing, yes. Because it was really tough for me. Well, when I was first in, they were uh, – Making women who married get out, and then the Yes, first, think, right. Then the second year I was in, they were making them get out if they were pregnant. Yes. And then by the third year, the ladies who were pregnant were begging to get out, and they wouldn't let them. <laughs> well, oh
1: wow! Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So major changes. <laughs> oh gosh. Big changes. It's funny yeah, how we we always um, are never quite at the right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, what, I, before, we've only got a couple more minutes before we go to break, and one of the things I wanted to ask, what, you, you've done so many book signings at this point in time, and you've got uh, your new book coming out uh, very shortly this month. What's one of the biggest surprises you've had in a book signing?
5: Well, the, the biggest surprise that I found in a book signing is I thought for a book signing, you had to sell books for it to be a success. And what I found out, that 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 is not true. If you have a book signing, and it's with other authors, and you network with them, or if you receive media coverage, local coverage, they come out and interview you, or, and this is the best part, if you give away one of your books to a child who's really looking at it hard and really wants it but can't buy it, (laughs) and they just light up, and all three of those, or
1: what I call a successful book signing, not I just selling the book. I can see Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I think so many times when you can engage a child with just one book, somehow that just opens up a whole path of literature for them, and isn't that what it's all about? Oh, my gosh. Mary Lee, I have to say, if I knew Air Force Master Sergeants were as delightful as you, I think I would have joined. <laughs> <laughs> Forty years ago. <laughs> you are amazing, a delight. We just want to congratulate you when Grandma's False Teeth Fly will be released. Is it February fourteenth? Right exactly. on Valentine's released Day.
5: Released February fourteenth. It's already already available for pre-order.
1: You can find Mary Lee on her Facebook page. Search Author Mary Lee, and that's M-A-R-Y-L-E-E. Or at her website, Mary Lee dot tate author t-a-t-e tate author dot com and you can find her books there or on amazon at barnes and noble and through tate publishing stay tuned we've got more holiday special right after this
0: are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system keeping the home fires burning well that's what we're here for it's military mom talk radio with sandra beck and robin boyd and we'll be right back after these
3: information about book publishing is power the power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers so join us for your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles it's Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
0: Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today uh, celebrating and getting ready for the holidays. I recently heard this story about the origin of the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. While I know we all have heard the song and we know it's about a soldier missing his family during the holidays, I found the backstory to be very interesting and brings a retail favorite into a very different light.
7: On Christmas 1943, the chaplain of the North Carolina battleship Collected five dollars from each crewman who had children in the States, and then sent that money to Macy's department store to buy presents for the children and mail them to the crewmen's homes. This practice was begun just a year earlier, when the North Carolina was halfway around the world. Its crewmen felt it especially difficult because it was the first away from home. With no opportunity to send Christmas presents back home to their families, a brilliant idea surfaced. Since the ship had been built in the New York Navy shipyard in Brooklyn, Macy's was sent a check and a list with names and addresses of the crewmen's families, and a list of presents for each. Macy's was asked to select the presents, wrap, and mail them to the families. In 1943, the chaplain was also involved in the staging of the Christmas show that the crew thoroughly enjoyed. When the show ended, the chaplain asked everyone to remain seated, as he had a surprise for them. It was unknown to anyone, but Macy's had gathered all the children and wives of the crewmen they could find and filmed each of them, and sent it to the chaplain. Each child and mom would say, Hi, or other greetings to their loved one, and needless to say, there wasn't a dry eye that night. After that, Macy's had become the battleship North Carolina's Santa Claus. It is this sentiment of being home for Christmas that was also expressed in the newly released 1943 holiday song titled, I'll Be Home for Christmas. One of the most nostalgic of all World War II period songs and a cherished part of American Christmas classics, I'll Be Home for Christmas, became an instant bestseller when the popular Bing Crosby recorded it and it was the most requested song at Christmas USO shows in both Europe and the Pacific, greatly helping military morale. It's not too difficult to imagine how American fighting boys may have felt at Christmas during one of the 20th century's most difficult periods. How they must have longed to be home for the holidays, instead of off fighting on desolate foreign battlegrounds or sailing the turbulent waters of the world's oceans on a battleship like North Carolina. The brief, I'll be home for Christmas, certainly packs an emotional wallop with its wistful lyrics. Even today, it would not be a far stretch to suggest that whenever people, especially our brave military men and women, are away during the holidays, this special Christmas song might be on their lips as they gaze homeward.
1: That was a feature from christmasclassics.com and it was narrated by Ronald Clancy. Visiting the website ourmilitary.mil O-U-R Um I found a lot of resources to reach out to the military through successful channels. Um, there's been an awful lot of uh, messages every year they come up to remember the military by sending a card to quote unquote any soldier or sometimes even sending packages um, to any soldier. The American Red Cross uh, has sponsored a Holiday Mail for Heroes campaign but for safety and security Reasons they are no longer allowing packages or mail to be addressed to any soldier. Now, the same goes for sending a card to the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. You no longer can just send to, quote-unquote, any soldier. Uh, the Red Cross did have a, a mail box, if you will, a special P.O. box that was found at redcross.org. Um, I believe that the, that session has closed. However, don't um, not visit it because I'm sure that there will be future Initiatives and lots more ways um, that you can connect with the military. The other thing that I would definitely suggest is that you visit the USOs, thanks from everywhere. Campaign, the USO has a wonderful website, and also just remember your hospitalized veterans in your local VA medical centers. Wherever there is one near you, give them a call and see what you can be doing. Um, there's also, through that ourmilitary.mil website, uh, a, a link to Little Patriots Embraced. That's a nonprofit based in St. Louis, and it's providing toys for military children. And again, because we are so close to the holiday, I believe believe that their collection for 2014 may have wrapped but that doesn't mean that you can't give them um, a look-see and find out what their next initiative is and how you can be able to support our little patriots. Um, They uh, are the military children of are the children of military people serving and certainly they are serving as well.
3: This is Captain Patrick Hogan, and I want to wish a very Merry Christmas to my family in Tennessee and to my beautiful girlfriend in California. I miss you all, and I'll be home soon. My name
2: is Specialist Brooke Frisk, and I'm in Baghdad, Iraq. I would like to wish all my family and friends in Georgia and Wisconsin a very Merry Christmas. I'm really going to miss spending the holiday. I'll see you guys real soon. Love you guys. Bye. I am dreaming tonight of a place I love. Even more than I Usually do And although I know It's a long road Back I promise You I'll be home on me please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree Christmas Eve
4: Especially my daughter Madison, who will be for this Christmas. I'm going to miss opening up presents with her and watching her face and seeing her face on Christmas morning and watching her you know, experience all the new experiences that Christmas brings.
2: for oh.
1: This is Robin with you today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these.
3: This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world.
9: Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the Wood of the
3: in Your Ass. It's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your
2: name at the top of his list and a statue of a liberty started.
0: Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on TogiNet.com covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd.
1: Hello, everyone. Robin Boyd with you on Military Mom Talk Radio, getting ready for the holidays. Recently on NPR's Morning Edition, this story was featured and I just found it delightful. Every Christmas, people all over the world will log on to the official Santa Tracker to follow his progress through the U.S. military radar. This all started in 1955 with a misprint in a Colorado Springs newspaper, and a call to Colonel Harry Schaup, his secret hotline at the Continental Air Defense Command, now known as NORAD. Schaup's children, Terry Van Curen, who now is age 65, Rick Schaup, age 59, and Pam Farrell, now 70, recently visited StoryCorps to talk about how the tradition began. The Santa Tracker tradition started with the Sears Roebuck & Company ad, which was instructing children to call Santa on what turned out to be a secret military hotline. Terry remembers her dad had two phones on his desk, including a red one. And she's quoted as saying, Only a four-star general in the Pentagon and my dad had the number. This was in the 50s, and it was the Cold War, and he would have been the first one to know if there was an attack on the United States. Let's listen to this clip from NPR's Morning Edition.
6: Time now for StoryCorps. This Christmas Eve, people all over the world will log on to the official Santa tracker to follow his progress on U.S. military radar. The tradition started in 1955, thanks to a misprint in a Colorado Springs newspaper that led to a telephone call to Colonel Harry Schaup. He was manning the secret hotline at the Continental Air Defense Command, now known as NORAD. Colonel Schaup's children, Terry, Rick, and Pam, talked about what happened for StoryCorps. I remember two phones on his desk. One was this red phone. Only a four-star general at the Pentagon and my dad had the number.
3: This was the 50s. This was the Cold War. And he would have been the first one to know if there was an attack on the United States.
10: So first couple weeks of December in 1955, Dad was at the office and the red phone rang. He answered it, this is Colonel Schaup. And then there was a small voice that
6: just asked, is this Santa Claus?
3: Dad was very straight-laced, very disciplined.
6: He was annoyed. He was upset. He thought thought it was a joke. Yeah, and so now the little voice is (laughs) crying.
10: And Dad realized that it wasn't a joke. So he talked to him, ho-ho-hoed, and asked if he had been a good boy, and may I talk to your mother. And the mother got on and said, you haven't seen the paper yet? There's a phone number to call Santa. It's in the Sears ad Dad looked it up, and there it was, his red phone number. And they had children calling one after another. So he put a couple airmen on the phones to act like Santa Claus.
6: It got to be a big joke at the command center. You know, the old man's really flipped his lid this time. We're <laughs> answering Santa calls.
10: The airmen had this big glass board with the United States on it and Canada and When airplanes would come in, they would track them.
3: And Christmas Eve of 1955, when Dad walked in, there was a drawing of a sleigh with eight reindeer coming over the North Pole.
6: Dad said, what is that? They said, Colonel, we're sorry. We, We were just making a joke. Do you want us to take that down? Dad looked at it for a while, and next thing you know, Dad had called the radio station and had said, this is the commander at the Combat Lit Center, and we have an unidentified flying object. Why it looks like a sleigh. (laughs) Well, the radio stations would call him like every hour and say, where's Santa now? And later in life, he got letters from all over the world, people saying, thank you, Colonel, for having, you know, this sense of humor. And in his 90s, he would carry those letters around with him in a briefcase that had a lock on it, like it was top-secret information. You know, he was an important guy, but this is the thing he's known for. Is probably the thing he was proudest of, Oh, I'm sure it <laughs> was, yeah. That's Terry Van Curen with her siblings, Richard Schaup and Pamela Farrell. They remembered their dad, Colonel Harry Schaup, at StoryCorps in Castle Rock, Colorado. Their conversation will be archived at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress, and you can track Santa at NORADSanta.org.
1: This story was hosted by Renee Montang and produced by Jasmine Belcher Morris. StoryCorps is a national nonprofit that gives people the chance to interview friends and loved ones about their lives. These conversations are archived at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress, allowing participants to leave a legacy for future generations. Learn more, including how to interview someone in your life at StoryCorps.com. Dot org and that's S T O R Y C O R P S dot org. Also, please listen to the full story at npr dot org. Now, channeling a little more from the Broadway show, Wicked, here's Idina Menzel with A Merry Little Christmas, and that is our wish for you, that you have a wonderful Hanukkah, a wonderful Christmas, and that you are with your loved ones, if not right now, that you will be very soon. From everyone here at Military Mom Talk Radio, we wish you a Merry Christmas.
2: Little Christmas, let your heart be.
0: Thank you for being part of Military Mom Talk Radio on Toginet.com with Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here each week to provide a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. For more information on the show or Sandra and Robin, go to MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. This is their mission. Helping Military Moms. So join us again next Monday for Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd, Monday afternoons, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Toginet.